Welcome to Are You Quizzing Me? I'm Manit Nair with my co-host Aditya Kashyap. This is a quizzing trivia podcast show. Join us as we dive deep into history, science, sport, pop culture and so much more. Let's get quizzing. And welcome back to episode number 29 of Are You Quizzing Me? Aditya and I are back for another episode of quizzing, which we shall now start with the audience question. We shall reveal the answer to this question at the end of the episode. So stay tuned to know the answer. And the question is, if you are being lapidated, what is happening to you? Let me repeat that. If you are being lapidated, what is happening to you? So that's our audience question for this episode and this week. But again, before we get to the meat of our quizzing, there is the small matter of Aditya's question. So Aditya. All right. So I'm back with my answer from last episode's question. And the last episode, the question was, what would be reasons that Greek people, the ancient Greeks, would be running around shouting hymen at their wedding ceremonies? And um, the answer obviously is very simple. Whenever you see the groom and his friends arrive, you'd be like, hi, men. That's how they would be shouting hi, men. Yes, uh, that, that's, that's a joke in there somewhere about a vagina's point of view and the name hi, men. <laughs> but, <laughs> but let's not go there. So I'll uh, start off this uh, week's questions with something from history. I'm a little bit of a history kick for these past few days. So... One of the earliest accounts of a historical assassination society, you know, a la Assassin's Creed, were the Jewish blank in 6 AD during the Roman occupation of Israel. This group performed high-risk assassinations of Roman military individuals and other Jewish countrymen who sided with them. They used daggers hidden in cloaks and sometimes performed the murders in broad daylight before disappearing into the crowd. Their name came from the Latin word for a type of dagger. To this day, the word means hitman or assassin in Italian. And the word means a similar meaning in Spanish and Portuguese. It is also speculated that Jesus' turncoat apostle, Judas' surname, is maybe a, a corruption of this word. You would be very familiar with this word, especially if you are involved in the modern pop culture. What word am I talking about? Which is also the name of the uh, historical assassination society. So you mentioned this word is used in a similar context as an assassin in Italian, in Spanish and in Portuguese, like something. Yes, it's, it means still to this, to this day means hit, uh, you know, hitman or assassin in those languages. So I want to clarify, is this word also or a version of this word is also there in English? but used in a different meaning? Is that how we would know of it? No, you would probably have heard of this word in either Italian or Spanish or Portuguese. More likely Spanish. That's my clue to you. More likely Spanish. Did you mention pop culture? Like, is it, does it have to do with pop culture specifically? In modern popular culture, yes, definitely in modern popular culture. I would not go back for more than maybe the past decade. The past decade would have would have all the references that you need to get to this answer. And this is an actual assassination society. Right. I was going to say Quixote based on Don Quixote, but you said 10 years, so I, I guess that doesn't fit. Spanish last 10 years, all I can think of right now is Money Heist. 
No, you're you're quite cold. You're quite cold with money heist either. Anyway, another form of Spanish pop culture. I said in the Spanish language, not necessarily Spanish pop culture, but in the Spanish language. Right. Okay. So let me try to approach this another way. You also mentioned that they were. This was a Jewish group. Yes. And uh, you mentioned they also used hidden daggers and. Yes. Yes. So everybody's heard of hashashins, right? Assassins. I mean, like that's no longer a question that you can even ask in quizzing anymore because Dan Brown and God knows how many of our people who write this kind of historical fiction have made them, you know, the kind of ultimate boogeymen of the ancient world. Basically, they were Arabian of Arabian Middle Eastern origin, uh, Arabs who used to consume hashish before carrying out their murders. Hence, the term hashashin, from which we get the word assassin. This is. Uh, a kind of similar but it's on the opposite end of the trajectory while the those were arabs these were jews and these were real okay no i would need a hint perhaps you probably would have heard of this word because of its use in a netflix show or because you watched a 2015 crime film directed by denis villeneuve oh De- denis villeneuve is the blade runner director blade runner 2045 De- 2049 Yeah, 2049. Sorry, and um, uh, more the more recent Dune. Ah, uh, I know what you're talking about. Is it um, is it Emily Blunt in this? It's <laughs> yes, you've got the Sicario, right. Sicario, Sicario, Sicario. Yes, it is Sicario. So basically, the society was called Sicari, which is I think the plural version of it. I think sickle also comes from the same origin because it all means a kind of slightly curved dagger. The word in Spanish and Portuguese and Italian still carries the meaning of hitman or assassin. and judas's last name is judas iscariot which is speculated that it may be a corruption of sicario it's very interesting because does shikari also come from somewhere there mm-hmm. hunter that that's possible possible i did not think of that shikari yeah, shikari is uh, for the non hindi speaking audience shikar or shikari is uh, the hindi word for hunter but perhaps a similar root so cool Okay, so since you were asking me about history, I am going to make a complete one eighty, and I am going to come to the modern day. And uh, my question is very simple, Vineet. Mm-hmm. Here I have a book, nine eggs, a laptop, a bottle, and a nail. Please tell me how to stack them onto each other in a stable manner. My first guess is that you have to be Tommy McGuire from the first Spider-Man movie. <laughs> That's a great uh, reference to a fantastic film, but no, this is not got anything to do with that particular film. Uh, side trivia, side note: he actually did that. It took him like I don't know, God knows, almost a hundred takes, but he actually did that. Which, if anything, apart from the perseverance, also due credit to both him and his co-actor, who I'm forgetting the name of the co-actor, Kirsten Dunst, uh, who. Kirsten Dunst, yes, you're right. Kirsten Dunst and Tobey Maguire for managing to look convincingly surprised every time. <laughs> no, I know. I think the surprise might have been genuine. I think up until maybe like the 99th or whatever take, there must have been like, oh, again. And then when it happened, Kirsten must be like, oh my god. And then Tobey must have been like, oh, I can't believe I did this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So coming back to the question. Okay, can you repeat the items once again? A book, nine eggs, a laptop, a bottle, and a nail. how to stack them onto each other in a stable manner is this has it something to do with album covers or some kind of book art cover or something like that 
that's a really great guess but no it's not got anything to do with either of those things before before you try to figure out because i really don't care what the answer to this question is what i care about is why is this question important okay uh, is this is this something like that an astronaut like chris hatfield has done in space you know he does all these weird experiments where he shows you stuff that's that's also again a great guess everything you're saying so far has been absolutely fantastic guesses but really cold so i, I can't even <laughs> okay. say that you're getting close <laughs> okay okay why are you asking about stacking something stacking these things together a laptop a nail nine eggs a book and what else did i miss anything book 9x laptop a bottle and a nail nope i need a clue okay microsoft is a key player in this particular question in this particular piece of trivia rather think very recent think as recent as the last one year let me put it another way what is one thing that everybody talks about when they talk about tech especially in the last one year chat gpt very close but uh, do you know okay so perhaps you you don't know the reference to this question in which case i'll i'll share the trivia with you yeah so it is it is a niche piece of trivia perhaps i was exposed to it in my tech readings here and there that i do once in a while and uh, it's a lovely question it's a lovely question because microsoft scientists were trying to understand how quote unquote smart chat gpt is right and they were trying to compare both gpt3 and gpt4 so they wanted to ask chat gpt a question for which an answer probably doesn't exist anywhere out there they did not want to ask a, a question which has an answer existing and they wanted to see how well these uh, ai generated programs respond interestingly enough when they asked chat gpt3 this question it got a bit confused and it said the researchers could balance the eggs on top of a nail and then a laptop on top of that and it was obviously not a very feasible solution gpt4 on the other hand startled the researchers and a bunch of them came out feeling like did they actually speak to an intelligent thing because and here i'll quote gpt4's response it suggested that they could arrange the eggs in a 3 by 3 grid on top of the book so the laptop and the rest of the objects could balance on it quote the laptop will fit snugly within the boundaries of the book and the eggs and its flat and rigid surface will provide a stable platform for the next layer and of course it went on to solve the rest of the puzzle as well and this really blew the minds of all these researchers because this was not a question that exists out there in the internet anywhere presumably and they were trying to come up with a question as unique as that and this piece of software was able to not just give you a response which was grammatically and had good syntax and was accurate in all those measures but was also making sense of real world things in a very physical way that you would imagine only human beings do or human intelligence does which is what made a lot of microsoft scientists feel like they had spoken to an intelligent being and that is the question that they asked gpt4 and gpt3 and uh, they were blown away by gpt4's response oh my god that's a little scary you and i are very easily replaceable <laughs> there is going to be an ai version of are you quizzing me happening soon and we you we both will be irrelevant <laughs> no 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 i'm joining ai basically i'm going to i'm going to join so if you can't beat him join him the moment i see that ai is going to take over you know i'll be like uh, hook me up to the matrix right now <laughs> you're going to plug yourself into the matrix right there <laughs>
No, because it, see, I mean, that's one thing about the Matrix which I uh, never properly understood is uh, why do they want to get rid? I mean, like they live inside the Matrix. It may seem dystopian to uh, a few people, but at the end of the day, they have reasonable lives, right? Instead, they plug themselves out, uh, go through birth again while they are getting, you know, I don't know, flushed down that machine. And then they spend this life in this, you know, really cold, uh, almost Stone Age-like existence with uh, post-apocalyptic machinery all around you. And then you find that the machines have also, you know, thought of all of this. And this is not the first iteration. You are not unique. I would be crying to get back into the Matrix. You know, I understood Cypher a little more. (laughs) Vineet, as somebody who quit a very comfortable job, to try his hand out in the entertainment industry. I feel like I relate to Neo a lot because I'm just like, that was great. But how about I try poverty and just sheer abject pain and suffering all day? How about that? Also, I must give you credit for being so kind to the Matrix series because you said the one thing that confuses you about the Matrix is this. <laughs> Have you watched Matrix Reloaded? I felt like that whole movie was, uh, what is happening? Why is the architect saying these things? He is not making any sense. So, yeah, you're being very kind here. <laughs> okay, well, your question next. <laughs> okay. Okay, okay. So, uh, let's move on to the uh, late 19th century and the mid-20th century, right? Uh, Most of the success achieved by this town from the last quarter of the 19th century to the mid-20th century can be attributed to John Taylor & Sons, the firm. India's second hydroelectric power plant was built to power this town, and it was known as Little England due to its British and Anglo-Indian population and colonial ambience. It is widely believed, uh, I couldn't find references for this, that Jawaharlal Nehru offered the resources of this town as collateral to the World Bank to get financial assistance when India was in need of cash for her first five-year plan. Which town am I talking about? Sorry, where was this town? Which part of India? (laughs) That's exactly what I need you to tell me. Oh, it's not the name of the town you're looking for. You're looking for I'm where look, it no, is. Yeah, I'm saying I'm looking. I'm, see, if I tell you where the town, uh, the region, it's easier to pin it down, right? That's not part of my question. Not yet, anyway. Got it, got it. I want to clarify. Is it still a town or is it now a city or is it... No, no, it's still... Yeah, it's more like a city now. It's more like a city now. Not a huge city, but it's still a city. It may have had a different significance in history. But what we know of it now is completely different. Or what it's famous for now is completely different than its actual history. It's a very, uh, you know, vague clue that I'm giving you. Yeah, I know. It's one of those clues where once I know the answer, all of the clues make sense and the question makes sense and yeah. all the vagueness makes sense. <laughs> yes, the, the Jawaharlal Nehru clue will definitely make sense when you finally understand which town I'm talking about. Let me just uh, go through the salient points once again, Right. Most of the success achieved by this town, uh, especially in the late 19th to mid-20th century, was due to the efforts of uh, Taylor, John Taylor & Sons, a British firm called John Taylor & Sons. India's second hydroelectric plant was built to power this town. It was known as Little England due to its British and Anglo-Indian population and colonial ambience. 
and Jawaharlal Nehru famously is believed to have offered the resources of this town as collateral to the World Bank to get cash for India's first five-year plan. Does it have natural resources? You said it is. Uh, it it had a lot of industrial growth, right? That's what you mentioned. I said industry. Yeah, obviously, when you're setting up a hydroelectric power plant, whereas it has to power something, right? So I'm trying to think of which industries were prominent. Then I'm I'm thinking of Maharashtra and and the mills, and uh, I'm thinking of other minerals. No, clue. Yeah. Okay. I need a clue then. Uh, this town is now famous throughout the world due to its being the setting of a hugely successful film franchise. Oh, I know. I know. Okay. <laughs> I know. Is this Kolar Goldfields? Yes, it is the Kolar Goldfields. And how is it now known as? KGF Chapter 1 and Chapter 2. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes, so this is the Kolar Goldfields located in Karnataka, which as the name tells you, it was mined for gold. It has huge gold mines. I think they've stopped mining now, but it used to be this huge thriving you know, mining field. And if you are a film fan, even if you're not a fan of uh, Indian movies per se, KGF is one of those movies in the recent past, which have had a quite a lot of appeal abroad as well, along with RRR. Okay. Let's talk about something from history again. This time, a gentleman called Sir Leander Star Jameson. Sir Leander Star Jameson, and that's star with a double R. In 1895, Jameson assembled a private army in preparation for the violent overthrow of the Boer government. And the Boer government obviously is in South Africa. The idea was to foment unrest among foreign workers in the territory and use the outbreak of open revolt as an excuse to invade and annex the territory. Now, over the course of a a few weeks and months, this particular overthrow and annexation and whatnot went terribly. It did not go to plan at all. It just was completely a failure. However, this guy, Sir Leander Starr Jameson, who is British, was considered quite the hero for even doing this in the first place back in the UK. How do we remember his exploits today in pop culture? In popular culture? Hmm... Leander Star Jameson. When you started with the Boer War, I thought this was going to be either about uh, Mahatma Gandhi, who was a, a ambulance stretcher bearer for the war during the Boer War, and I think Winston Churchill, who was I think a prisoner of war who escaped or something. He had some kind of connection with the Boer War as well. Um, I don't remember. I think he was a prisoner of war. I'm not sure. So it's neither of those things. Uh, he said popular culture, Leander Jameson. Mm-hmm. I'm going to need a clue. Okay. So the same popular culture reference that was inspired by this gentleman is also used in multiple other places. And I'll give you a few examples. A framed copy can be found at the National Defense Academy at Pune. That's my first example. A part of it can also be found on the wall of the player's entrance to the center court of the All England Lawn Tennis and Croquet Club where the Wimbledon Championships are held. 
Why do I feel like I should be knowing this? It sounds the the clues sound very familiar. They're tickling this kind of tiny dark corner, spiderweb corner in the on my you know on my brain, saying that you know wake up, wake up. You should be knowing this. Give me, let me give you one last of these clues. Okay. The great legendary boxer Muhammad Ali was very fond of this particular piece of pop culture, and is said to have uh, carried a copy with him. Copy with him. This is going to be something ridiculously simple, and I'm oh god. Okay, let me just work this out. The NDA, the Lawn Tennis Association, Leander Jameson, and Muhammad Ali. Let me tell you which category of pop culture. Then maybe that will help you. <laughs> For a change, we are speaking of poetry. Okay, South Africa poetry. The first thing that comes to mind is Invictus. I would imagine that would be the first guess, but no. Okay. Not the right answer. Okay, poetry. Did he write this piece of poetry, or? No, he was not the author of the poem. It was inspired by his failed Jameson raid. Failed raid. In fact, the failure was so catastrophic that it aggravated the political tensions between the UK and the Boers, which technically led to the Second Boer War. But for some reason, this man was quite the legend amongst uh, the British. Mm, yeah, they're 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 pretty mad that way. <laughs> so, a very famous piece of poetry. Very famous piece of poetry. I would know this piece of poetry. I'm guessing, right? Or at least you think I know this piece of poetry. I would be surprised if you can't quote at least two lines from this poem. Wow, and that's saying something because I don't generally quote poetry at all. <laughs> Okay, that will be at the NDA. So this, this should probably help you also. This NDA reference is probably a link or or maybe a coincidence to the fact that huh. the poet himself had quite was quite influenced by India and living in India. Well, the the poet living in India again that doesn't narrow it down that much. But first thing that comes to mind is Kipling. Very well done. Yes. Okay. Kipling wrote uh, something about Jameson. He was inspired by the man, and he wanted to write about what a great man is like. And his perhaps his example, the only one he could think of was this uh, questionable <laughs> individual who did some very <laughs> questionable things. Why can I not remember any of Kipling's poems right now? I wouldn't be surprised if this is his most famous poem. When somebody asks me about Kipling's poem, this is perhaps the only one I know. The last thing I can do is give you a brief description or just a very short summary of what the poem is about. And it is about because he was inspired by the character of Leander Starr Jameson. It is about what makes a true leader, what makes somebody a great leader. I have okay. You know, I think you're actually quoting from the poem itself because it sounds very familiar. The moment I say it, you're gonna beat yourself okay. up. And the poem's name is "If." Oh fuck yes, 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 yes. If if that's about Jameson. It is about Jameson. Yes, Leander Starr Jameson. My English teachers are going to be, you know, if I don't think any of them actually waste their time listening to this, but if they are, <laughs> you can, you know, definitely expect an angry message. Oh God. <laughs> 
<laughs> no but great question yeah really great question in fact i have to give all credit to a fantastic podcast episode that uh, i will put in the later fact check part of it and i'm just going to mention the name because i don't have the name on me right now it's a really great episode where where this podcaster draws parallels because he usually talks about these various screw ups in history and how they're relevant today and uh, and it, he focuses on screw ups from history so it's kind of fun to listen to a lot of the times and he talks about how this raid was a really big screw up and yet it has inspired <laughs> kipling so he literally draws parallels between lines like if you can keep your head when all about you are losing there's and blaming it on you and he draws a parallel to some specific that was happening during the raid it's funny and it's very entertaining that uh, podcast episode so i'm going to reference that later please please do uh, listen to that just to have the next podcast episode you can listen to right after ours not to stray too far from uh, where you were you were at the boer war the first boer war and i am going to go a little further back to the crimean war now uh, you may have heard of the famous charge of the light brigade so while 110 uh, men this is just a fact that i'm putting preceding the question while 110 men perished perished in the battle did you know that a staggering 335 horses were killed See that's such a strange thing. I I did not wince at the number of men who died, but I'm as soon as you mentioned dead horses I'm like, "Oh man, I'm feeling sad suddenly." Yeah, I mean like you have to win. See, uh, you have to wince there because it's not like the horses signed up for this. They did not consent. Yeah. So now the thing is this uh, so there are two pieces of modern day clothing. Okay. Okay. Which have their origins in this particular war. Okay. In this particular battle, let's say one is named after the battleground where the uh, above mentioned tragedy that is the charge of the light brigade took place and one is named after the man who led the disastrous military action so which are these two pieces of clothing oh that's such a lovely coincidence that you have another question which is based off of a war or an uprising that that inspired poetry i love that okay but let me see two pieces of clothing one which is named after the battlefield the battleground the battlefield the battleground hmm is it because of the war that the name came or just because that place was uh, whatever it was called and then eventually for some other reason that name arose uh, let's say that the name of the battleground came first and this piece of clothing was named after this particular battle that name stuck because this piece of clothing was used there Okay got it got it got it so the battle was important to the naming got it at least to the english speaking world does it have to do something with military attire of any sort yes uh, to an extent see currently it's not uh, as with most kinds of military attire it's not restricted to the military anymore you can find uh, hobbyists sportsmen using it right now at least the the first uh, piece of clothing i'm talking about uh, you'll find a lot of hobbyists uh amateur uh, sportsmen of a certain type of sport they all do wear it and apart from that yeah even a modified version of that you could say is also worn you know as a form of winter wear okay let me give you one clue it's not the turkish dessert <laughs> i was headed there it's not a baklava but it is a balaklava <laughs> Yes it is a balaklava please google a balaklava it's a headgear basically um earlier used by many soldiers in the battle of the crimean war 
that particular piece of clothing now has uh, various uses for bikers, for cyclists, and a modified version of it is worn as a kind of winter wear. A modified version of the balaclava is known as the monkey cap at many places in India, uh, where poor children are stuffed in them and make to made to look ridiculous. So that is the first uh, piece of clothing we are talking about. What is the second one, which was named after the man who led the charge of the light brigade? Mm, is this also a military? No, this was uh, not, but it's named after him. Let's just say that. This is named after that particular gentleman. Okay. He was the British Army Major who led the charge of the Light Brigade. Doesn't help because I do not know who led the charge of the Light Brigade. I'll tell you his name, but it's not going to get you anywhere. So that should give you a clue. His name is James Brudnell. Which means that it's not like the name is inspired by James or by Brudenell. Yes, it's inspired by his title. Title? Oh, is he like the Earl of something? <laughs> yes, he was the seventh Earl of blank. Okay, give me an example of how is this attire used or what part of the body is it worn on? Or... Okay, you would not see this much in India, but it's quite common among the dapper gentlemen of fair old English Isles. But I've always maintained that a particular kind of winter wear worn by women in India, especially over sarees, bears a very close resemblance to this. Hmm. Over sarees? Yeah. Sometimes through. It's it's very confusing unless you've seen how uh, you know Indian women wear all kinds of winter wear. Interesting. I know it's not a tuxedo because we have already done that in a previous episode. And that was a fun episode. So please go listen to that also. Hmm. Well, my knowledge of men's sartorial tastes and uh, fashion sensibilities is very limited. You did mention the women wearing uh, it through their sari or over their sari. I've always felt like this particular cold weather garment worn by women in India. Okay, sometimes they wear it over a chudidar, sometimes they wear it over a sari, but I've always felt that it looks very much like this particular garment. I'm trying to picture the women I know who wear saris and, and the, picture them in a winter wear. Is it a cardigan or a shawl? It is a cardigan. It is a cardigan. Oh. <laughs> Wait, so that is a cardigan. Isn't that actually a cardigan? Because you said it looks like a cardigan. Yeah, it looks like a cardigan. I don't think it's it's exactly a cardigan. We'll do a fact check on that. Yeah, so it's uh, so James Brudnell was the seventh Earl of Cardigan. Ah, I did not know Cardigan is a place. Great, interesting. Okay. I think technically we'd call it an estate, right? Because they'd be granted an estate and then there'd be the Earl or the uh, Viscount. The uh, order of precedence, it goes from Baron to Baronet to Viscount to Earl to Marquess. To Duke, Royal Duke, Prince and King. I shall take your word for it because I have no clue. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So my question is, Wisconsin, the state in the United States of America, has a tourism body which was forced to, to change its name because of the internet. What was the name of this body? This is just a wild guess. I don't know what's going to stand for, but I'm going to guess it was WWW, Wisconsin Wildlife something. And then the internet came about and they couldn't be like www.wwww.com or something like that. 
Vinit, let me just say it is a lot more juvenile than that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wild stab in the dark, but okay, uh, not more juvenile than that. So it was a tourism board, right? Yeah. Was it WTC when the World Trade Center came in? They had to change the name. But I mentioned the internet, so it has something to do with the internet, and it has to be juvenile. So. <laughs> and they changed the name. When when's the time frame for this? The article that I'm referencing is from 2009. From 2009, they had to change their name in 2009. Whereabouts? I'm going to give you a clue, but this is going to practically give it away. I'll give you the name that it's now known by, and you can laugh and you can tell me the answer after that. It is now known as the Tourism Federation of Wisconsin. It was WTF. <laughs> Wisconsin Tourism Federation, nice. <laughs> as as juvenile as it gets. <laughs> poor, poor folks had to change their name just because everybody would make fun of WTF <laughs> for being WTF. <laughs> nice. Okay, I think that's all the time we have for today's episode. Right. So uh, before we leave, Aditya, do you have a question for us? I do. I do have a question for us. And my question is, what would be another place which would be a great collateral if we had to ever give up a geographical area in India to the International <laughs> Monetary Fund or the World Bank <laughs> in case the economy tanks? What uh, would be a great place to give up? And uh, the answer shall be revealed in the next episode. Okay. And uh, before we leave, there is the matter of the audience question that I had asked, which uh, for the record, even Aditya was not familiar with. This is a question that's a surprise to him as well. So you can guess along with him. The question was, if you are being lapidated, what is happening to you? Aditya, any guesses? Lapidated? I have never even heard the word. I can't even think of a root word right now. So no, I have no clue, Vineet. Okay, uh, if I told you that it's a type, it's a method of capital punishment. Somehow it, it evokes a feeling of there being some liquid involved, so... Uh, that's because you're thinking of lap, lapping up, lapping up, but no, it's not. It's quite the opposite, actually. Okay, then I'm going to guess caning. Mm, no, I'm going to tell you what the answer is, because it's not easy to guess. It's, because, it's like a scientific name, right? It's stoning. Ooh, ouch. Okay, all right. Yes, all so right. Uh, stoning or lapidation is a method of capital punishment where a group throws stones at a person until the subject dies from blunt trauma. And it's been uh, attested as a form of punishment for grave misdeeds since ancient times. Now, do you want to hear some of the uh, cause, some of the things that could have caused you to be lapidated in the ancient world? Ah, I know. Weed. Because you'd be stoned. Because you'd be stoned <laughs> if you had weed. <laughs> oh, God. Yes. No, 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 no. Okay. So, the, yeah. No, so, some of the things that were mentioned in the Talmud, the uh, methods, the, so the Talmud uh, describes four methods of execution. Stoning, pouring molten lead down the throat of the condemned person, beheading and strangulation. So the those people to for who are for whom stoning applies includes one who has had relations with his mother or with his father's wife or with his daughter-in-law. 
a human male who's had relations with a human male or with cattle with a blasphemer and uh, idolater he who sacrifices one of their children to molech one who occupies himself with familiar spirits a wizard one who violates the sabbath one who curses his father or mother one who has assaulted a betrothed damsel a seducer who has seduced men to worship idols a witch a stubborn and rebellious son i'm sorry because there was a lot of like some problematic sexual um, things there like like incest and stuff okay fine i can understand from a perspective of of the ancient world why was a rebellious son in that <laughs> oh yeah yeah that <laughs> a stubborn a stubborn and rebellious son what so so if i say like oh mom stop it i don't want to wear my toga today <laughs> i would be stoned to death <laughs> <laughs> that sounds unfair <laughs> okay let me just clarify for the sake of historical authenticity that if you were wearing a toga you were unlikely to be jewish you would be one of the romans occupying the jews <laughs> <laughs> so maybe i want to be defiant i want to go against my culture and like mom i want to wear a toga <laughs> my mom is like okay instead be stoned to death <laughs> yeah so i mean like this is also found in uh, the quran and also in certain parts of the bible uh, different reasons and different conditions are given for it but yeah so if you are uh, being lapidated uh, you obviously don't have time to consider the fact that you are being lapidated uh, you would be probably trying to stay alive because lapidating is lapidation is the capital punishment by throwing stones and that is the end of the episode that's a lovely point to end it at vinita i must say <laughs> yes a very depressing uh, one but what can we do right kesara sara such is life <laughs> stop rebelling kids <laughs> <laughs> we hope you enjoyed the show hope you definitely learned something new if you like what you heard please consider subscribing to our podcast leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform it'll help us reach a wider audience and allow more people to discover and enjoy the show we'd love to hear from you feedback suggestions and even trivia you can reach us on instagram at are you quizzing me we appreciate appreciate your support and look forward to sharing more episodes with you in the future stay tuned for aditya's fact check after the musical sting thanks for listening and that's a bye from me see you guys next week and here's the fact check for the episode shikari the hindi word for hunter is derived from the persian word shikar meaning hunting winston churchill gained fame for a bold prison escape during the boer war even though he was there not as part of the british forces but instead a journalist for a british newspaper the morning post the podcast episode which talks about the poem if and the connection to the jameson raid can be found on the podcast Cautionary Tales with Tim Harford. The episode is titled The Coup, the Poet and the Secret to Winning Wimbledon. A cardigan is a knitted sweater with an open front worn by both men and women today. The order of peerage in British nobility goes in ascending order: baron, viscount, earl, marquess, duke. And that's all for the fact check.